chat with Nicholas. He'll listen to you. Then he'll laugh, and then he'll cry with you. It's all in a safe space for you to speak your truth. Oh, come and chat with Nick. Everyone, very excited to have you with us again. And we've got a very unique character with us today. We've got Grant Johnson, who is a voice actor or a voiceover artist. And we're going to learn a little bit about what is a voiceover artist, what do they do, how do they train their voices to have melodious tones, or go into little voices like this, hello, my name is Tommy. So we'll be going into uh, some of that. And a very interesting concept that Grant has, which is he wants to do 10,000 voice projects. And I said, you're going to get nodules on your voice cords, on your vocal box or whatever, like... Uh, Celine Dion, and then you get to have a husky voice like this. So we're going we're to meander around a little bit talking about the exciting world of um, voiceover artists and how rich they can get by being voiceover artists and why you should become a voiceover artist or why you should hire a voiceover artist, especially Grant Johnson. So Grant, number one, awesome to have you with you. Where in the world are you? I am hailing from North Dakota, which is another Scandinavian rich place full of Romagrat and, and Lefsa and all of those good things. Well, I can see you definitely, I mean, if I had to ask who was the, the, the Norwegian here, it would definitely not be me. It would be you with, the, with that, that skin tone. You obviously haven't been sure. in the sun terribly much lately. Right. The light beating down on me, so it's very apparent. There is that as well. Well, North Dakota, and that's one of my favorite programs of all time is Fargo. I'm not sure if you've, if you ever watched that, but so when I think I've, of Dakota, that's what I, that's what I think. Yeah. No, I've watched the movie. I haven't seen the, uh, the show that was made after it, but, but the movie, it's interesting. You know, they've got the, the very thick accent that they kind of, you know, have to push a little bit to, to make it seem a little bit more caricature-esque, but you know, you got to do that sometimes. Exactly. Well, just to let you know, the series is also fabulous. So the, the movie is great. That's sort of one of those ones that you have to watch every 10 years, probably. Um, sure. But the series is, is fantastic. You also, when you reached out to me, spoke about you've got some unique storytelling frameworks that can help mm -hmm. startups really get their voice. And I think that's, that's something important we can, we can chat to, especially about grabbing people's attention. Sure. Yeah. So I think we can start out by saying, how on earth did you decide on a career in voiceovers? Was this something you dreamt of as a child? Was it something you were forced into by your parents, like Indian parents and their kids to be lawyers and doctors in North Dakota? It's yeah. to be a voiceover artist. How? Did it how? Why? Yeah. No, I, I would have loved to have been forced into this by my parents, but uh, unfortunately, that was not the case. I watched Mrs. Doubtfire growing up and everybody who's seen the movie knows that the very first scene you've got Robin Williams standing in a recording studio and he's recording the voice for the cat and the I think bird and the bird's smoking a cigarette or a cigar or something and it was I think a commercial is, is what they were actually recording it was supposed to be a commercial for like you know something that was equivalent to that world's Marlboro or what have you and don't get to see a whole lot more of him doing that in the show but we we re do realize that he's a character actor and he's using that in his wheelhouse to basically pull off kind of a con against the court system and his uh, ex-wife in order to spend more time with his kids so so that's what that's what started you off so 
I mean, I, I, I was on uh, Twitter or X, I don't know, they must just keep the name mm -hmm. Twitter, honestly, X is, yeah. is too complicated. But, and I saw they had a excerpt of Robin Williams doing all his voices for the genie and some mm -hmm. of his outtakes. And not yeah. all of them were great, great, let me be honest. But again, he's a, a very talented voice artist, so I can see why that's uh, somebody you'd, that would inspire you to go into the, into the voiceover world. Are there sure. any other interesting voice artists that you've followed or that uh, inspired you as well? Yeah, there's tons. There's tons and tons. One of the ones that I think a lot of people can relate to, you've got Mel Blanc. He's, you know, the original voice of Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, just about every single character that shows up on Looney Tunes and a lot of other ones that, that were made by that studio. Other than that, Frank Welker is another one that I get a lot of inspiration from for all of his like kind of creature voices. He used the Cave of Wonders. He was Cujo. He was Megatron. He was Dr. Claw. He was Fred Jones and Scooby-Doo. So there's all sorts of things there. And then you know, the more you watch shows, the more you can kind of pick up on people who are in all of these different things. And it just goes on and on. And you can kind of build on that and go, well, they're doing all of these voices and they all sound kind of the same or maybe they don't sound the same. And there's a lot of really cool things that happen when you can sort of dive into that and see what people are doing and, and what works and what doesn't. It's quite amazing how voices get associated to, to brands or, or programs that you like. I remember as a kid watching the Gummy Bears. That might be before your time. but I, I was remember actually watching that recently. <laughs> it's got... Uh, the voice actor for Tigger was one of the one of the voices, and then you've got, was it Rocky from Rocky and Bullwinkle was the grandma. Ah, well, I mean, what a fabulous show! And I I remember I always loved Duke Ickthorn's accent, and I always yes. loved Toadie's accent. So those two, I used to try and emulate while I was having a mm -hmm. bath as a kid. You know. Re repeating lines to myself, but I was very annoyed when they changed the voice actor. I think the the old oh. chap passed away the the ticket chap passed away and they yes. had a new guy to, and it completely ruined gummy bears for me as a child because mm -hmm. i thought wait a minute that's not what he sounds like right and the same thing i i suppose can happen with brands um certain voices tones of voice styles of voice are used are, are used by brands and that's your yep. that's your business basically yeah that happens a lot you know people people die people get recast it's it's just kind of a a function of what we have in the voiceover world. And sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes it feels like it's not from an audience perspective, but really it's up to the actor to try to portray that character and do them justice. And it really shouldn't be that big of an issue when people are recast, because when you think about it, there's plenty of intellectual properties where you have, let's say a character and they've been around for close to a hundred years. Well, there's no way you're ever going to have a level of continuity between the very beginning and the end. It just doesn't happen that way. So the closest thing we can do is try to offer our unique take. That's also going to be more or less in line with what has already been established. Yeah. Well, my last example, and then we'll get into, into the more high brand intellectual, <laughs> intellectual sure. stuff is Justin Roiland obviously was yes. hoofed, hoofed out of Rick and Morty. And I listened to the latest Rick and Morty. It was pretty good. They got the voices mm -hmm. pretty close. 
But he's also yeah. a talented guy. I mean, he's been used across a whole bunch of different programs and just a phenomenal voice actor. And that show, entire show could have gone down the tubes if they didn't get somebody to, to practice Rick's, Rick and Morty's voice. Yep. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he got ousted. But again, that's kind of the nature of show business, especially when ki these kinds of allegations get levied. I, I also have listened to the new voices. It does draw you out of it a little bit, just knowing that. And then also, like, you're more likely to try and look for the things where it's like, oh, that's not quite what the original voice sounded like. It's like, oh, yeah, we're, already, uh, we're, we're doing this thing and we're, we're, we got this going on now. So, like, obviously, if somebody were to listen to what I just did and compare it to, like, Justin Roiland's version, there's going to be miles and miles of things that they can nitpick. And and if if that's what you're going to be looking for, you know, it's... It's going to be expected, but again, it's it's doing the character justice and living their truth. So, where they didn't do it justice was Squanchy and Mister Poopy Butthole, because those were completely ruined, especially Squanchy. I mean, the you want a Squanch? That guy is just is just was completely mm -hmm. ruined. So that unfortunately was was yeah. sad for me. But anyway, beyond beyond that, mm -hmm. you talk about some unique. Uh, unique storytelling framework. So let's have a yeah. look at how, as a voiceover artist, can you help entrepreneurs or businesses build a tone of voice that will help their brand stand out? Sure. One of the things that I think is important to, to note is there might be a little bit of a distinction between voiceover for commercials versus voiceover for some sort of what is kind of what we would consider more traditional storytelling things like animation or interactives, you know, video games, those kinds of things. Um, what I would say is with the more traditional style of storytelling, you've got the, the types of stories that are well-established. And I, I really like Christopher Booker's seven basic plots for demonstrating this concept. And that is this isn't all encompassing, but it breaks it down well enough that it can apply to most situations. And the other kind of cool thing is you can apply multiple of these frameworks to the same situation in order to help flesh out a story and make it even better. But basically, the seven basic plots are we've got overcoming the monster. We've got the quest. We've got the voyage and return. We've got rags to riches stories. We've got comedies. We've got tragedies and we've got the rebirth. And each one of those stories is a different scenario. So like the slaying the monster or overcoming the monster, you've got some sort of a scourge, whether it's an actual monster or something that is supposed to take the form of a monster. And it's more than just it can kill you. It's got some sort of really, really impending doom feel to it and what it means to sort of this world afterwards. So... That's the whole purpose behind the story. And then in each of these frameworks, they have kind of a very similar framework from beginning to end in terms of how they're laid out. So you start off with sort of the call to action, which is the reason it's the catalyst behind why the story begins. And that's the motivating factor into why this primary character, the, the protagonist, ends up getting brought into this whirlwind of events and from there they go into a dream state where they basically are impervious to any sort of danger following that you've got the frustration frustration phase 
which is they run into the first scenario where they're met with resistance from the primary, you know, the antagonist, so to speak. And from there, they they find themselves going into kind of a, a valley of despair. And then this is what we would call the nightmare phase, which is all hope seems to be lost. You know, the the main the main character, the protagonist and all of his crew gets split up and and there's no way for them to meet back up and figure out what the the way to defeating them, the the I guess scenario or or what have you. But eventually they're able to get the one crucial piece of information or or the one crucial act happens and we're able to resolve the story in a way that feels fulfilling. Um the one scenario that this doesn't really play out exactly like that is the tragedy. And that's because we're actually looking at this story from the viewpoint of who's usually the antagonist in most other stories. And in there, sort of in the frustration or the nightmare stage, there is a crucial act that they commit that basically uh, seals their fate. And this, once we get to the resolution part of the story, instead of seeing them triumph, we see them completely obliterated and there's nothing left but their demise, essentially. So, What's a great example of a series that, that uh, encapsulates the tragedy process that you've outlined? A good, a good example of the tragedy, that would be Macbeth. You know, the, the Shakespearean play, you've got the story about how, you know, he's met by the weird sisters and he's given this fortune about the fact that he's going to become king of Scotland and then everything comes true. And then he's told that, I, I think, I don't remember exactly the, all of the names correctly. I know that, I believe it's Macduff is the one that eventually unseats him. But essentially, the the point of no return there is when his wife, Lady Macbeth, tells him to kill. I don't remember who it is in the story. It might have been Banquo. And from that point on, that is the point of no return. Once he does that, his seal, his his fate is sealed, and we we eventually find out. Hey, the prophecy comes true, and and he meets his demise at the end. So. So I'm very ashamed because I was actually in Macbeth and I, and as you said the names, I was like, yes, 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 that's right. But I couldn't remember <laughs> for the life of me. If, if I can give a more modern example, it would be Breaking Bad. And I think it sure. follows exactly the same structure as, as Macbeth. Mm -hmm. And if I put a brand lens on it for a, a way that brands can use it, if we yeah. look at that, uh, the, the first example that you, that you mentioned, that, yeah. that would be Avis, we try harder. There's always this monster. There's always this bigger um, mm -hmm. foe out there that they are trying to beat. And again, to use everything at their disposal, they're the plucky little sort of folks in, in second place. They're yeah. still larger than most a couple of economies in the world, I think. But that's a good example. So that's one way, for example, you could in a brand workshop or in a, a mm -hmm. communications workshop say, look, which one of these phases is, is your brand in. So I'd, right. I'd love to see a workshop working on those, on those seven principles. And, and it's really cool too, because once you sort of understand the general overlay and the overview of how these types of stories can be written, all you have to do is kind of think back to either your past as a, an individual or the past of your brand or your business and say, what, what has happened that's a remarkable story that we've gone through? You know, what was kind of a situation where 
you know, we're at a point now, let's say where we're, we're doing business at a scale well above what we were when we started out. Well, that could be your rags to riches story. Or one thing that I thought of, I used to work in insurance and one of the sort of coaches or, or speakers that we had at one of the events that we went to was talking about this event or not event. It was a sales that they, they had sat in with a husband and wife. They get to the point, they're ready to fill out the paperwork. They say, well, we need some time to think about it. Doesn't press on, doesn't push forward, doesn't close the sale and leaves the paperwork there on the table. Something happens to the husband. They don't have the coverage in force. Tragedy. This is a tragedy for the husband, but it's a rebirth for the insurance agent because it was also his shortcoming. And now that he's gone through this, he's able to say, this isn't who I am. I'm not going to let this one event dictate the rest of my life. And I'm going to be a better insurance agent because I have this much stronger story that I can tell. You talk about stories. I think those seven principles that you brought up are basically universal. As you mentioned, everyone can think about if they, if they put that framework, they can think, ah, yes, I do actually see where I am in this phase. And yep. it applies very nicely to businesses as well. If I, if I can give a, a quick anecdote, I, I used to work for a company called Nando's, which is probably the best flame grilled peri peri chicken in the world, hopefully yeah. still today. And we were working on a, on a strategy for the business because they had always been the little guy. They had always been David versus, versus Goliath. Mm -hmm. And they beat Goliath. So they had gone wow. from this upstart where they were always nipping at the heels of the big boys. But after a couple of years, they became the big boy. And this goes back to, again, it's very important to understand history and why people who've read books or the classics, such as uh, Homer's yep. The Iliad and, and Odyssey, mm -hmm. can give parallels. And I tried to bring a parallel to our, where we were in the business. Odysseus, he'd beaten all the Gorgons, he'd gotten, you know, he'd, he'd completed his task. What happened to him once he completed all of his tasks? He sort of disappeared into oblivion. There was no new big challenge. There was no new big activity for him to go after. So what sure. I tried to bring into the, into the business was saying, we need to create another story for ourselves. What is our North Star? What is our shining yes. light? How, how do we create another big challenge for ourselves? And a couple of businesses, once they've reached that leadership level in an organization, sit on their laurels or rest on their laurels, not sit on their laurels rest yeah. on their laurels and eventually just fade into obscurity uh, mm -hmm. after time. How, you know, uh, can you see any other parallels with, with businesses or, or folks who've, who've done the same thing? Yeah, I, I think that's actually a really good example is, is the story that you kind of outlined there with, with Odysseus. It's, it is, that is the case. You need to consider the fact that if you're not growing as a business, you are going to eventually reach the point where somebody else is going to surpass you because they are doing the things that you're not willing to do. And that's, I think, more so from a planning perspective. That's that's a, you know, kind of come to Jesus moment. You need to be able to say, hey, what is what is our, our plan from here? And how do we how do we make sure that we're serving our customers the best that we can? And also looking for ways to innovate so that when the next big opportunity comes, we are not the ones getting caught and left behind. Yeah, I, I always try and challenge folks to think of a, a, 
and I, I'm stealing this from somewhere else, but a big, hairy, audacious plan. So, you know, you've got to have a vision for something that is, that is quite audacious. And when we talk about audacious, you've got quite an audacious plan as well, which is to have 10,000 projects. So, mm -hmm. first of all, you said to me a little bit earlier that if you had to do 10,000 projects, that is one a day for the rest of your life. Let's break down. How is this going to happen? What is it that you want to do? And what's, what kind of projects are your dream projects that, you, that you'd love to get involved with? Yeah, I think 10,000, honestly, is possibly a little bit of a, a high goal. I know that there are other voice actors who have said that they have been in... I, I, I know Mel Blanc was the man of a thousand voices, so you think of him as having at least a thousand characters, if not a thousand projects that he would have been working on. Uh, beyond that, uh, one that I've kind of interacted with a few times is Joe Zija, and I know that he said he's had 10,000 auditions, but I don't know if that's how many actual roles that's led to him securing, which... If he's if he's done ten thousand auditions and this is uh within I think probably the first maybe let's say ten years of his career, then he has room to do another I would say at least thirty or forty thousand if he keeps up the same pace. So yeah, I I think ten thousand is a a number that he's uh, stuck out there to for clickbait to be right. To be perfectly That's possible on. too. You know <laughs> to be. But, but it gets people's honest. attention. It does. It does. So I think the 10,000 projects uh, or voiceover projects is, is, is a good one. Now, the voiceover industry has to be quite competitive because unless I'm mistaken, most people have a voice box and generally, generally can speak. How do you differentiate yourself, your, yourself in, the US, in, in the U.S. market? And have you done any international work? Okay, we'll tackle that in both halves. So for basically differentiating yourself as it pertains to voiceover, the easiest way is to get training as an actor. This is the first piece of constructive criticism that any working voice actor gives to anybody who says, hey, people have told me I've got a great voice. How do I get into voiceover? You take acting classes. That is, that is step one, because like you said, Everybody can talk. Everybody knows how to talk, but not everybody knows how to convey a specific narrative in a way that's believable, right? You can read the words on a page, but it needs to be internalized. And the way that you internalize it is you get training as an actor, you understand context, you understand the actual message that's trying to be given, you understand the moment before so what, what's going on in the scene, either away from where you're at when you're giving the, the dialogue or the moment directly leading into it. You need to understand what your character wants out of the scene. You're trying to understand what somebody else wants in the scene and how to be able to convey a dynamic between those characters. And, and really, you need to think about kind of this threefold aspect of, of acting. And that's, that's the conflict relationship, location. So where are you? Who are you talking to? And what is it that you're talking about, essentially? Okay. And so as long, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to break you off uh, in, in mid conversation there, but I want you to coach me. So I, for example, I'm going to give you context. I, I've been 
trying to read all of Edward Lear's limericks. And okay. whenever I hear my voice, I go, oh, that your tone isn't, isn't great, etc." Coach me on, I'm reading a limerick. I can, I can bring one up quickly. I'm going to give an example of one of my favorite limericks, which is, which is quite fun, and it's by Edward Lear. There was an old man with a beard who said, it is just as I feared. Two owls and a hen, four larks and a wren have all built their nests in my beard. So that's the limerick. Mm-hmm. And you're the client. What, are, what am I going to change? So really, it depends on what, like you said, the client wants and what kind of a message they're trying to convey with this story. Is this, is this meant for kids? Yeah. If it's meant for kids, the, the read that you gave, it might need a little bit more energy. You know, kids, they have a very short attention span. They're going to need high energy. They're going to need something with maybe a little bit of some kind of really, you know, vibrant difference between sort of the, the typical pattern that you kind of fall into. And so it might be just like one word that for some reason ends up being really high, like, you know, end on the beard, like just completely different from everything else going on in the story. But you, some sort of vocal variety, something with high energy to make sure that it's engaging, you got the kids' attention, and could be goofy too, because kids love anything where it's like some something that's like, you never hear adults talking like that. Or maybe you do, but it's like one specific adult that you've come across and you're like, wow, I'd like to follow them around for a day just to see what, what it sounds like when they're just talking to people. So I, I love that feedback because you've, you've, you've touched on quite a, a couple of cool points there. In the chat, I've just sent you, I don't know if you can see it there, but okay. you, you can see that, you can see the limerick. So I would like you, for example, okay, I'm a company and I'm, I, this is aimed at children. It's mm-hmm. got to be quirky and exciting and potentially in a neutral, neutral accent. So not very American, not very English. It could be uh, Spanish sounding, but. Mm-hmm. That's a very poor brief that I've just given you, but I think you're talking about the energy. Perhaps mm-hmm. he is uh, stuck in a well or something, so that's where he's that's where he's stuck, and he's he's been forced to read this in okay. order to get out of the well. So let's I'll give you a second or two to compose yourself, and then it's all up to you. There was an old man with a beard who said, "It is just as I feared." Two owls in a hen. Four larks in a run have all built their nest in my beard. Okay, so you can spot the difference between a professional read versus somebody who's just read news and weather. Yeah. So that was, that was a, a cool masterclass in, in voiceovers. And what are your plans for the next year? I mean, okay, let's, let, I'm going to do a COVID question quickly. What, how did you survive during COVID as a voice artist? There must have been something going on because you can do this remotely, but what changed in your industry through COVID? Actually, COVID was kind of the catalyst for me getting into the industry. So here's sort of my history lesson is that I went to college back, I graduated in 2013 with a bachelor's degree in theater arts and the purpose for, for me to get that was I was intending to become a remote voiceover, but this was back at a time when remote voiceover work wasn't quite as prevalent as it is today. And there weren't as many opportunities or, or even forums for you to do such a thing. I want to say around 2015, I gave it 
sort of a college try with Voices.com. I had applied to about 100 different projects and I didn't get cast in a single one. Come to find out, my my recording environment was tr- complete trash. And since then, I've learned a lot more about what it takes to make a good recording environment for voiceover. I've taken a few years of private coaching under Mark Cashman. He's out of California with about 40 years of experience under his belt in the voiceover industry. And essentially that started in about, I would say the early part of 21. So not, not the, the heart of COVID, but pretty soon after. And from there, again, just getting the coaching, starting to find some of these online websites that that have these opportunities for people who don't have agents and even some websites for people who don't have a whole lot of money to spend on gaining access to finding these things. If if you don't have money, I would say some of the best places to look for voiceover work, there is some people will post public casting calls on X or Twitter. Some people will post them on Casting Call Club. That's a website that that has a lot of character work type of stuff for, again, more fan projects or or indie kind of projects. And then there's also a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, I think, or a Google spreadsheet going around that a, a voice actress by the name of Sam Slade has put together. And that's got all of these other ones that I don't know off the top of my head, but they're they're really useful access to to that would be it would behoove you if you were looking at getting into voiceover to look for that so with without an agent obviously you are having to do marketing finance finding your clients etc to get ten thousand um potential projects i hope you've got some automation in terms of your newsletters making sure your your YouTube page is up and running and your LinkedIn page is is looking very awesome. If you haven't I, got all of those up and running properly, listen to some of my other podcasts. I speak to people who help folks like yourself and some really interesting tips and tricks to really get your social media platforms up and running and and starting to 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 catch on fire. Because this is a this is a long game and you've got to start building up that profile. To finish up where can I send people to get in touch with you should they need Limericks Red or any voice voice work or coaching in how they could improve their, their speaking voice or the, the tone of voice for their brand or their personal brand? Absolutely. My website is grantjohnsonvo, as in voiceover.com. And they can reach out to me there. I've got link to my demo on the website. On, in the top corner, I've got my contact information, and then I've got all my other social accounts that are connected to VoiceOver in the top corner as well. So they can click on any of those and find any other ways of getting in touch with me through other social channels. I've also got samples of some of my work on there, and uh, that's that's it for the most part. I think I do also have a specific customized link for my Calendly if they wanted to schedule something. So to sign off, you're going to have to use one of your multitude of voices to sign off. Uh, there's Porky Pig, yibbida, 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 or to sign off this particular podcast. Let's see here. Which one do I want to do? Well, one of, one of the ones that I'm particularly enamored with is is all of Jim Henson's stuff. But I think Rolf the Dog, that, that one's probably pretty good. So, Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. And... 
If somebody can give me a bone, I'd appreciate it. Mm, come chat with Nicholas. He'll listen to you. Then he'll laugh and then he'll cry with you. It's all in a safe space for you to speak your truth. Oh.